How's it going, everybody? This is Jason Willard, the host of your Path to Gritness podcast, and I am here today with Caden Lloyd. I'm so stoked to uh, talk to him today. So, Caden's uh, a journeyman electrician, husband, weightlifter, and he's had a world, his world turned upside down this last little bit, and um, in his battle with cancer. So, um, Caden's a survivor and has made it his mission to live life to the fullest and not take any moment for granted. So, Caden, welcome. Thank you. It's it's a pleasure to be on here. So, well, I'm glad you're here. Um, definitely called in a personal favor on this one. So, thanks, man. <laughs> um, dude, you're looking swole. I appreciate it, man. <laughs> definitely some hard work. But. I saw some. I saw an Instagram post the other day where, where you're lifting. And I'm like, holy cow! I been a long time since I've seen you, obviously. So. I know, dude, but dedication. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So talk to me about working out prior to cancer. Like, weren't you working out quite a bit before then? Yeah, so it was right after high school. Um, my brothers introduced me to the gym. Yeah. And kind of got addicted from there. Um, early mornings, I think it was like 4 o'clock every morning, we'd go to the gym for an hour um, before work. Um, and you were working construction yeah. then too, right? Yeah. 10, 12 hour days, you know? So it was like definitely some dedication, you know, but I just liked how it felt. You know, I like having some time that I could put aside for myself. Um, and I just liked the change and I just liked the progression I was making. And so I just kept going. That's awesome. That's way cool. So just seeing that change in yourself, just got you hyped. Oh ready, yeah. Ready dude. to keep going. Oh yeah. It's addicting. <laughs> That's awesome. That's way cool. Um, so talk to me a little bit about, you know, how you found out the news, um, specifically like prior to finding out the news, what triggered you to think that you had cancer? Yeah. So, um, like we were talking before, um, I was going to the gym super early in the morning. Uh, I'd go work a 10, 12 hour day, come home, you know, spend time with my girlfriend at the time and then go to bed at like 10, 11 o'clock and you know, do it all over again. Yeah. Um, but it got to the point where I'd come home from work and I just literally had no energy to do anything. Um, I don't really think anything of it. I just thought, Oh man, it's catching up to me, you know? Um, <laughs> it's old age. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, didn't really think too much of it. Um, and then I noticed, started noticing these red dots. I started appearing on like my legs and around my eyes. Um, at first we just thought it was like exertion from like lifting heavy weights and stuff. Yeah. I thought it was just like pop blood vessels. Um, so like I said, I didn't really think too much of it, um, at the time. Um, but my mom and my girlfriend at the time kept saying, Hey, you need to go get that checked out. You need to go get that checked out. I was like, no, nah, it's fine. It's fine. I can't, I can't afford to take work <laughs> off. You know, I got to continue to work. Yeah. And, and so I just brushed it off there for a little bit. Um, and then it progressed more and I just kept getting more tired, more tired. Um, I stopped going to the gym in the mornings cause I literally just had no energy to do anything. Um, and finally I got to a job to where I had Fridays off. And so I scheduled a doctor's appointment and, um, went to the doctor's appointment. Um, they drew blood and it kind of just did like a checkup on me. Um, he said it could be like heat rash, you know, cause 
didn't have any AC and it was the middle of summer. Yeah. It was about, I want to say, um, probably May or June. Um, this was happening. I think it was June. And um, he did a little checkup, ran some blood work, um, and then sent me on my way. And so I was like, all right, well, didn't really solve any problems, <laughs> my yeah. questions. And so, you know, I just kept going on. Um, and then that weekend, um, I l- went up to set trail cameras uh, with my buddy. And then I just, I would hike like a couple steps and I just was exhausted. Yeah. And I, that was another trigger. I'm like, something, something's up. Yeah. And so, um, it got to the point where like we were in there pretty far and I didn't know if I was going to make it back out. Um, I got super lightheaded, thought I was literally going to pass out. And I was like, oh man, we got to get back to the truck. And so luckily we were able to make it back to the truck. And Which is not like you, like. You used to hike a ton, right? Like, oh, yeah, dude. Go all like, over the place. Oh, yeah, man. Like, Billy Go, I was just freaking put a pack on my back, I'll go, you know? Yeah. And so <clears throat> when we got to service, um, my wife, well, yeah, wife at the time. Well, we got married. Um, my wife called me, and she was like, hey, um, the doctor called and said, you need to come in. And I was like, we need to do more blood tests. And I was like, all right, well, that was kind of weird. Yeah. And so um, uh, that was the weekend, and so he wanted me to come in on Monday. And so I went back, and I kind of just rested. Um, and then that Sunday, I went to my parents' house. Um, this was when we were doing at-home church. Yeah. Went to my parents' house for church, and then after, we were kind of just sitting around. And all of a sudden, I just started having this bloody nose. Um, out of my nostril and I was like, you know, I get bloody noses all the time. It's the middle of summer. It's dry. And so I was like, ah, whatever. Um, 30 minutes went by and I was like, oh man. But I just kept just putting tissue up my nose and holding pressure and it just wasn't stopping, dude. It just started like flowing out of my nose. Um, 45 minutes, an hour went by and it switched from just one nostril to two. And it was just streaming out. Um, finally, well, it's about two hours went by. And my wife was like, all right, we're going to the ER. Um, so we packed up, went to the ER. Um, they shoved this big old thing up my nose to like kind of stop the bleeding. And then meanwhile, they wanted to know why it wasn't stopping. So they did more blood results. I mean, blood tests. And um, found out my platelets were at 9,000. Um, and what are they supposed to be te- typically? So they're supposed to be right around 140, so like 140,000 to like 500,000. <laughs> so I was a little and low. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Just a little, a little low. in the basement. So um, that started sparking some more questions, like what's causing my platelets to be so low. Um, so after I was done with my stay at the ER, they sent me to um, a blood specialist. Um, I started seeing him, and he was treating me for, um, it's called ITP. It's where your body, like, thinks it has an infection, but it, like, really doesn't. Yeah. So he put me on some prednisone to kind of, like, jumpstart my body and, like, wake it up. Yeah. Um, and then meanwhile, he sent my blood off to, a, like, a cancer specialist. 
And uh, I just remember that was, yeah, that was on a Friday. and It was the weekend. Um, he called me that Monday. and I, He's like, hey, I need you to come in to the doctor's office. I was like, all right, well, it's just a checkup. Yeah. And so I didn't think anything of it. He didn't say bring your wife, bring your mom, anything. And so being my mom, she's like, I'm going with you. You're not going alone. <laughs> I'm coming with you. So I'm like, all right, whatever. You can't say no to my mom. Yeah. <laughs> and so she takes me to the doctor. Um, we walk in, and he just got straight to it. He sat me down, and he was like, well, he's like, we got your blood results back, and looks like you have AML leukemia, which is acute myeloid leukemia. <clears throat> And, dude, I, the bomb that was dropped, man, like, just instant tears, you know. You never know what's going to happen. Just the unknown started flowing in. Yeah. Dude, it was just, oh, man, it was so hard. I bet. To say the I least, bet. it was hard, bro. So, uh, how did you, like, break that news to your wife? I mean, this you guys just barely got married how long ago? Like, how many months? Yeah, so we got married back in April, of 2020 and I got diagnosed in July. Oh, man. So pretty soon after, you know, we freaking got diagnosed, but so, so how did you break the news? What happened? So at the time she was working two jobs. Um, she was, um, assisting, um, a lady doing, um, cosmetology, hairstyling. Um, and then she's working at Burlington coat factory. Um, so at this time she was working at Burlington and I just knew I needed to tell her. Yeah. And that was the first thing I wanted to do was tell my wife. Um, little backstory. Um, her mom actually prior to this got diagnosed with stage four terminal breast cancer. Um, and I knew just, it just was heart wrenching to know that her mom had terminal breast cancer yeah. and now her husband has cancer. Um, so I, I called her, I called her, I called her. She wouldn't answer. I'm like, oh, she just needs to answer her phone. <laughs> yeah. She wouldn't answer her phone. And I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to drive there. Yeah. So my mom took me there, sat out in the parking lot forever. Felt like forever. Yeah. Uh, it was probably five minutes. But I sat there and I was like, all right, I can't take it anymore. So I walked inside of the store and um, instantly made eye contact with her and she knew exactly what was up. Um, and so she went and talked to her manager and we just went back and just freaking just held each other, you know, crying. Man. <laughs> Man, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. To have something like that dropped on you, especially that, that young in your marriage. Oh, my it's man. It's nothing can prepare you for no. that, dude. No. Um, so you end up finding out. Obviously, you've got a lot of questions, right? And there's there's lots going on in your life. Uh, and it, w what did the doctor tell you? Like, how soon are they going to get started on this? Yeah, so this was Monday. Um, before I left the doctor's office, he told me that they were on hold with Huntsman's Cancer Institute, seeing if they could get, like, a room ready for me that night. Yeah. And he said it's a super aggressive um, leukemia. And that I needed to get in there like ASAP. Yeah. Um, and so they ended, Huntsman's ended up calling me later that day and said, hey, we got a bed ready for you. We need you to come in by 9 o'clock tonight to get started on treatment. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, man, must be pretty serious if yeah. they need me in right then, you know. 
Crazy. So, <laughs> sorry, I didn't back up, but how old were you at, at this time? So I was 20 years old. 20. Holy cow. Just turned 20, yeah. So they so they get a bed ready for you that night, and, uh, you know, you probably expected to be able to take your your family in there with you and have yeah. them all around you and stuff like that. What What actually happened? So on the way up there... Well, it was a little bit before I called him. I said, Hey, I want to know what I'm preparing for. Like, what do I need to bring? What do I need to pack? And they were like, Oh, it could be a couple of weeks, could be months. Um, and by the way, there's no visitors due to COVID. And I was like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> man. One of the worst days of my life right there, bro. Yeah. To tell me I have cancer and then to tell me that I can't have any visitors the whole time I'm there, you know. At the time, I was like, am I going to see my family again? Am I going to see my wife? You know, like yeah, just all the unknowns just hit at once, man. Because you could have died in the hospital and, and n- never been able to see your family. Yeah, after that exactly. Point. That's how strict they were. They were like, yep, no visitors, 100%. Wow. Wow. So talk me through um, what was going through your mind at that point mentally. I, I mean... There's a lot of people that have dealt with loneliness and with feeling isolated and stuff like that. How how did you deal with that isolation? And and obviously, yeah, you've got nurses coming through there and stuff like that, but especially your family, how did you deal with that? And mentally, how did you overcome it? Yeah, so a big thing for me was like FaceTime. Yeah. Um, my parents bought me an iPad, so I was able to FaceTime a lot of people. But you know just as well as I do that that's nothing compared to actually having someone right next to your side. Yeah. Um, that was a big thing. Another big thing was uh, physical activity. Um, the nurses would, like, coax me every day to get out of bed, you know, shower, and then I'd have carry my IV pole around, and I'd just make laps around the hospital. Mm-hmm. That's what they they just kept saying every day. He's like, you need to go make your laps. You need to go make your laps. And at first I was like, oh, this is so stupid. I'm like, why do I have to walk? This is so stupid. But actually, once I committed to it, it actually got way better and actually helped my mental status because just to be able to get up and to be able to walk was a miracle. Yeah. Sometimes those those small wins that, that you have all of a sudden turn into to big wins yes, in your mind. Exactly. Sure. So <clears throat> how, I mean, during this time, it's super heavy I'm sure in your mind and in your heart as far as what's going on with you how'd you keep things light and how did you make sure that you stayed upbeat and and happy yeah so um it was really hard at first you know because your your mind just wants to go to the negative all the time yeah you know like oh you're never gonna see your family again oh like you're physical like you're never gonna be the same like who knows who knows it's just the unknowns but I finally took a step back and I t- started taking it day by day. There was times I even had to take it, you know, minute by minute, you know, as they were doing procedures, it was like, Oh my gosh, so much pain. But if I could just take it that one minute at a time, the day started going by, you know, and then the time I started healing and it just, things started to move, move smoother as like, I would just take a step back and be grateful for the small things as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, <clears throat> so as you're 
talk me through the next procedures that they ended up having. I mean, you obviously went in, got some chemo, um, and did they do radiation or what did they end up doing at that point? Um, so I ended up not having to have radiation. Um, when I first got, um, into the hospital, I started chemotherapy that Thursday. Yeah. Um, and it was seven days of 24 seven chemotherapy. Um, and nobody can prepare you for, for that stuff, man. Um, just how sick you get and just how fatigued, um, throwing up bloody noses, just all the above you had. Yeah. Um, but I was in there seven days and after they give you the chemotherapy, it's kind of like a waiting period. Um, so they wait for the chemo to literally, um, wipe out your, like your bone marrow, your immune system. And after it wipes out your immune system, the goal is to kill the leukemia in the bone marrow. And then once it's killed, um, your immune system starts coming back. They start building more cells. And then once the cells start coming back, then you're able to go home. Yeah. Is what they told me. Yeah. Um, I ended up staying 31 days in the hospital uh, by myself. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) Holy cow. So you stayed in there 31 days. They finally let you out. And I'm sure they were super strict even after that. Bears, like who who was going to let you like be around you yeah. after that at that point um when you got home you know you had a lot of time to yourself oh yeah um how what kept you happy how did you make sure that that you were staying productive and and in the fight yes yeah. um uh the big thing for me was family time yeah um i had two nieces well i have two nieces at the time and just FaceTiming with them and you know, going over to their houses and just spending time with my nieces, um, spending time with my wife, just the small things, you know, going on walks or hikes or just the small things, you yeah. know? Yeah. That was a big thing for me. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, with those relationships, uh, you know, talk to me about how, your perspective, and I know that we're kind of jumping ahead here, but how has your perspective changed on relationships and uh, developing relationships with people around you? You know, what would you say about that? Yeah. um, While I was going through it all, I had a time, you know, lots of time to step back and, like, think a lot about stuff. Um, But after going through something like this, like not knowing if you're going to live or – um, what's happening next. And it makes you um, realize that like the big things, like sometimes people don't really um, mean what they say. Um, like they may be having a bad day um, and they're going to take it out on you. Yeah. But in all reality, everybody's going through something. Um, like with my wife, our relationship has grown leaps and bounds just because we've gone through so many challenging things. Um, But it has taken time to like strengthen my relationships with um, people. Um, But if we just, you know, give people benefit of the doubt, yeah, you know, we'll, 
people aren't that bad, you know? Yeah. Majority of them aren't <laughs> <Yeah>. that bad. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. Oh, that that's crazy. So, I mean, you, you get home, you're able to uh, spend some time there, kind of briefly go through the next few rounds and and uh, what news you got at that point. Okay, so after after they let me go home, um, I knew I would have to eventually come back for some more chemotherapy. Um, they told me when I was in the hospital that I needed to have a bone marrow transplant in order to kind of cure this cancer. Yeah. Um, and so I knew I had to do some more testing. Um, they had to test my siblings because they w- would be the closest to being a match um, in order to give me a, their bone marrow transplant. Um, and so they did some genetic testing on me. They tested all my siblings. Um Results ended up coming back that my brother Skyler was actually a hundred percent match. Wow, which was wake miracle in itself, right there. Yeah. Um, and so, meanwhile, they did more testing on him and me, um, and then I went in for another round of chemotherapy. Um, this one was a shorter one. I think it was seven days. Yeah. I just went in for seven days, got the chemotherapy, and was able to go home. And just stay at my house. Um, and then after that, they got things ready for the transplant. Um, this was October. Um, they booked me back into the hospital to get ready for the transplant. Um, meanwhile, Skyler, um, he got shots uh, seven days, I believe. Um, and that makes his stem cells go from his bones into his bloodstream. And then a couple days before they give it to me, they drew it out of Skylar, kind of like plasma. Yeah. They take it out one side, you know, spin it in this machine, and then they put it back inside him. Gotcha. Um, but they were able to do that the day before they were going to give it to me. Um, and so it was kind of cool when he was donating his cells. At this time, there were still no visitors at the hospital. Yeah. And I just... I kept talking to my doctor. I'm like, dude, you got to let him come up and see me. Someone has to come see me, you know? I'm like, literally, he's saving my life. I need to see him. Yeah. He's like, all right, let me let me see what I can do. And sure enough, he comes back, and he's like, yeah, your brother can come up after you're done. <laughs> oh, my gosh, dude. I was thrilled, to oh, say the I least. I was going to say, what a relief. I was thrilled. So I texted him. I said, dude, they're going to let you come up and see me after this, bro. Both me and him are bawling. Yeah. <laughs> Just the experience, man. Spiritual experience, to say the least, man. Yeah. Um, after he was done, he ended up coming through. And right as soon as he opened the door, man, me and him just made eye contact and instant tears, man. Yeah. <laughs> just the spirit was so strong. And yeah. we, like, definitely weren't the only people in that in that room at the time. You yeah. could totally feel the presence of other people it was words can't describe the feeling in that room yeah that's awesome and just how much of a, a brotherly bond oh that, my god when he's yeah. like saving your life at that point uh, man I, that must have been thick enough to cut so oh it was <laughs> it was for sure <laughs> crazy yeah. um so you ended up getting this you know transplant they they uh infuse your body with with his stem cells, what's supposed to happen to your bloodstream at that point? Like what do they hope is going to happen? So the chemotherapy they gave me, um, if they weren't watching me and they weren't giving me blood, um, they would kill me. 
So they're hoping for the bone marrow to clear out 100%. Um, while that happens, um, Schuyler's stem cells kind of latch onto the bones. Yeah. And they can sense when the bone marrow is cleared out, and then they seep into the bones and start making their own cells, which is pretty cool. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I had to ask him a couple times about that because <laughs> I was like, how does that work again? But, yeah, so, mean like, same thing as before. They gave me the chemotherapy, gave me the stem cells, and then they just it's a waiting game after that. Yeah. Um, they wait for your counts to hit zero, and then after the counts hit zero, you plateau for a little bit, and then they start creeping up. They want, they want your cells to start coming back at, a, like, uh, right around, like, 28 days. Gotcha. And then once your cells hit a certain point, then you're able to go home. Yeah. Um, my cells hit um, that certain point, and they did a test just to see how many, like, leukemia cells there were still left in there. Um, they're obviously hoping for zero. Yeah. Um, so they did a thing called a bone marrow biopsy. It's where they just take a hollow needle into your pelvis, and then they draw out the marrow from your pelvis. Um, and then they go spin it and test it or whatever. Um, results came back and that, yeah, there was zero leukemia cells and Schuyler cells were actually working. And so that was a miracle in itself right there that it was working so good. Yeah. That's awesome. Awesome news. Oh, when, yeah. when you were, when you're down in the dumps like that, man, yeah. I mean, there was probably multiple times during these stages where you weren't sure which way it was going to go as far as news, right? Yeah. Like you had a lot of testing where they, they come back and say whether or not you did perform well or, or didn't perform well. Yeah. How did you prepare yourself mentally for them telling you these things without getting your hopes up too high or, or, or having them crush it? How did you have hope in something even though you weren't sure on the outcome? Yeah. So honestly, I, like you said, I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. Um, but my mental state, I had to hope for the best. Um, if you just get down in the dumps, you know, like, oh, the freaking cancer's back, you know, it's worse or whatever. It's just going to wreck you mentally. So I would honestly, if I knew things weren't good, I would, I mean, I would still hope for the best. Yeah. Um, like they would, they would take the test and I'm like, oh man, I didn't really feel good. I'm not really feeling good. So I don't think it's going to be good. Yeah. Um, but it just wrecked me mentally. Um, but then when they would take tests and I would have like a good attitude about it and stay positive, it always, the outcome was greater for me yeah. on my mental than anything else, you know, just staying positive about everything. Yeah. And and you have to at that point, right? Like yeah. if you ended up letting yourself um, go to those, those places in your brain, uh, you, you end up just losing all momentum yeah. um, and and aren't able to push forward. Exactly. So. And not only was I fighting for myself, you know, I was now fighting for my wife. Yeah. Um, I was fighting for my family. And so I knew I just needed to stay positive all the time. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, during this time, your wife was going through a lot too. Yeah. I mean, it, not, only, not only on your end, um, but tell, tell me what happened after this as you received news and as she received some news herself? Yeah. So, um, after I got the bone marrow transplant, um, they watch you for a hundred days, super close. 
Um, right as soon, I think it was day like 95 or something, I went in and they do another bone marrow biopsy to see what percentage of my cells are Skylar's and which percentage of my cells are my own cells. Yeah. Um, so I went back in, they did that test. The results came back. I think it was a couple days after that. Um, and I found out that I, the cancer was back, that I had a relapse. Um, and then right after that, two weeks later, um, uh, my mother-in-law passed away from breast cancer. And so it was just, dude, it was just one thing after another. It seemed like just kept getting hit and hit, yeah. <laughs> knocked down. It was just not good, bro. Yeah. So how did you, how did you pull yourself out of that? that place, that dark place. And how did you help your wife, uh, through this time? Yeah. So at that time, you know, I wanted to give up because I just went through a whole lot of tests and treatments and chemotherapy and just feeling so sick, you know, and I started to feel a little better. And then all of a sudden you get the news that, Oh, Hey, it's back. And you got to go through it again. Yeah, It wrecks you, you know, yeah. but I, put my feelings aside and I knew I had to be strong for other people besides myself. Yeah. Um, it affected way more people than, than I even realized. Yeah. And so I knew I had to put my feelings aside and I needed to look after other people. Um, I knew I had to be, you know, that support for my wife because not only was her husband's cancer back, but yet she just lost her mother, yeah. you know? And so I just knew I needed to be there for her. Well, and I think that's, you know, if our, our listeners can take anything from this is like when you're in that state and when you're feeling that low, I think the power of, of, of service and the power of being there for other people and showing up is huge. Um, you know, having that compassion on other people, even though you're going through, you know, so much yourself, having that compassion towards someone else and realizing that you have to be, you have to show up, you have to be a part of their lives and you have to be that rock for them. Um, I think most of us just need to feel wanted and need to feel um, useful. And that's probably how you felt at that time was, Hey, I've got something that I need to do here. Even if it, I want to throw a pity party right yeah, now. No, exactly. No? For sure. Wow. That's awesome. So <clears throat> now as you receive that news, obviously you're going to have to go through a, a bunch more rounds of chemo and uh, trying to hit this battle again yeah. that you just fought. So, you know, what did they end up, what did the doctors end up doing for you and, and how did you move forward? So at this time COVID was you know, it was there, but it wasn't as serious as before. Yeah. Um, so I was able to do an outpatient chemotherapy. Um, so I did four months, uh, I mean, four rounds of chemotherapy. So the same s- stuff as before. Um, I would go in for a couple days, get my chemotherapy, and then I could go home, wait for it to clear my immune system out, and then wait for my cells to build back up. Yeah. Um, and so that took, you know, I think it was six months that I had to have more treatment. Um, And at that time, before I found out it was back, you know, I had plans to go back to work, you know. I had plans to, because I'm a big goal setter. Yeah. And so I had a lot of goals that I wanted to reach, you know. 
And then, um, so six months down the road, I'm starting to make, you know, new goals and new plans. Yeah. Um, but I think that was the only thing that got me through that next step was making goals for myself. Yeah. That's awesome. It's having something out there in the distance yeah, to, look to look forward for- to, to make sure that you're, you're trying to hit those things. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so, I mean, you're, you're really, you know, outdoors and you want to be able to get out and, and go and do things. Um, and to be able to, to have to sit at home. Yeah. Probably drove me nuts. <laughs> oh, it was, um, it was a nightmare for, for this long, but also just the whole providing thing. How much did that str- stress you out and put stress on you and your relationship as far as feeling like, Hey, I've still got to provide, I've still got to pay bills here. And did that put a lot of stress on you or? Oh yeah. Lots of stress. You know, I grew up, you know, my dad took care of my mom. Yeah. You know, there was always food on the table. Bills were always paid. It's because my dad went to work every day, you know? Yeah. He didn't complain. He just went to work and paid the bills. Yeah. And so when I, when I proposed, you know, and I was planning to get married, that was my goal was to provide for my wife. And that's what I 100% wanted to do. I was looking forward to it. Um, and then shortly after, you know, I get diagnosed with this and I was like, oh crap, you know, I'm like, that was my number one goal is to provide for my wife. And now, um, not physically able, you know, to go to work and to provide for my wife, you know? So I was willing to put my truck up for sale. I was willing to sell basically everything, you know, just to provide for my wife. Cause that was, you know, my goal was to pro- provide for her. That's awesome. That's awesome. So Instead of that stress, you know, weighing so heavy on you, breaking you guys apart even more, it actually grew thing, grew you guys closer oh, together, yeah. right? Exactly. That's awesome. But. Um, so, you know, once you ended up going through those rounds of chemo, um, th- there was another test. You ended up having to get uh, tested again, right? Yeah. Um, to, to see if that was going to be positive or not. What happened then? So I did another bone marrow biopsy. Um, and the results came back and they had me and my wife come into the hospital, you know, just for a checkup. And then they were going to show us the results. Um, and at that time I didn't know if it was going to be good or bad or what was going to happen. But, you know, like we said before, I just know I had to stay positive. Yeah. Um, Cause that was the only thing keeping me going. Um, so I got my hopes up, you know, cause I just had to stay positive and sure enough, he pulls me into his office and says, everything's clear. Everything looks super good. And so I was able to get my pick line out of my arm. You know, I was able to, he like, let me do more things that I wasn't able to before. Yeah. And so it was like a weight was just lifted <laughs> off my shoulders. It was amazing. Man, that's crazy. That is <clears throat> such a miracle. And, and, uh, you know, thanks to modern medicine and everything that, that those doctors learn. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's great. Um, so, you know, obviously today you're, you're, uh, you're back at it. You're back at the gym. You're, oh, yeah. you're making things happen. Goals are moving forward. Um, tell me, you know, what are your thoughts, um, about your body and your health and how has it changed since, you know, having cancer to now, like what are your thoughts on health? 
So when I went through all the treatments um, before, I was 185 pounds, you know, going to the gym, super active. Yeah. Felt strong, starting to feel strong. Um, and then I got hit and I lost 45 pounds. Uh-huh. I got down to like 140. Um, and I just felt weak, you know, you could see my ribs and I just not a good place, bro. Yeah. Like I had to have my wife lift stuff for me and I just hated it. And so right when he told me, he's like, Hey, we can take your pick line out because with the pick line in your arm, you can't lift or anything. Yeah. And so only thing I could do was walk on the treadmill or bike or anything like that. Yeah. And that's not for me, man. I like to, <laughs> I like to lift weights. And so once I was able to get that pick line out, man, it was back to grinding. I hated feeling weak. So I knew I had to get back in the gym. Um, I had hunts coming up. So I was like, man, I got to get ready for the hunts. I got to get ready to pack a pack around the mountain. And so I just set a plan, you know, I wanted to gain that muscle back. Yeah. Um, and so I was every day, man, I was at the gym two hours. I would lift weights for two hours and then uh, 30 minutes cardio. Yeah. Just incline, and I just wanted to get that stamina back because I would literally walk down the hall and I'd be exhausted. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I may be lifting 10 pounds, you know, but I was still there. I was showing up for myself, you know, yeah. and that's what it starts with. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I'm sure um, – you know, for those of us listening, I was actually thinking about it today for our podcast. I was just thinking about, you know, how lucky I am to be able to have the body that I have, to be able to do the things that I can do, because there's lots of people that can't. And, you know, when you didn't have that option to be able to go and work out and to take care of your body, I bet that's all you wanted was just to be able to, you know, be healthy again. Yeah. And I think we take that for granted. So, you know, you as listeners, just make sure you have that attitude of gratitude and are grateful for your body and the things that you can do. And because you can do those things, you need to be there. You need to show up and you need to make sure that you're taking care of yourself um, because, you know, like you've recognized and noticed, your health is so important to your mental state as well as just your overall life. So, um, so Cade, you went through a ton of stuff. I mean, that, that story didn't tell half the things that you went through or that your family went through all of that, but that's an education and an experience that, um, was definitely fought for as you fought for that and coming out on the backside and realizing that you made it through this, what did you learn and how can you help others to be able to try and further themselves in their life? Um, one thing for me was um, while I was going through all this stuff, uh, I knew I had to find my why. I always got asked that question and I was like, what's, what's your why? Um, it took me a little bit to ponder on that question and to think. Um, but I finally came to the conclusion that my why was my wife. I knew I had to be there for my wife. You know, if I didn't want to show up for myself, I knew I had to show up for her. Um, everything I based my life around was because of her now. Yeah. Um, if I didn't feel like fighting, 
I knew that she wanted me to fight, and so I knew I needed to show up for her. Um, that was a big thing for me. Um, another thing is just to be grateful for life, you know, be grateful for the small things. Um, you know, I, I caught myself the other day, literally looking up at the mountains and just watching the birds fly. And it's just, it's crazy. You know, like everything that is placed on this earth is amazing. Like just how life interact, like changes. And it's just it's crazy, bro. You take a step back and just realize how special life really is. Yeah. Yeah. When when you were talking about your body and the things that it was doing when Skylar, you know, had that transplant and stuff like that, and it, it makes you realize just how amazing uh, our bodies are and how amazing nature is and, and what it can do for us. And, yeah, definitely don't want to take it for granted, right? No. Even those relationships especially. Um you know, with you and your wife, yeah, super important that, that we don't take those things for, for granted. So any other w- words of advice, Cade? Um, I'd probably just say find, um, if you're struggling mentally or motivation, you know, to get out of bed, um, yeah. I would try to find at least 10, 15 minutes during the day to do something for yourself. Yeah. If that's going for a walk, or lifting weights, or reading a book, you know, or you want to get better at one of your talents, or, you know, you want to get better at shooting bows. Yeah. Take 10, 15 minutes at least, and do something for yourself, and the outcome will be amazing, you know. If your life is super busy, you can find 10, 15 minutes to do something for yourself, and you'll just be amazed on how the effects, like, improve your life yeah that's awesome man such good words of wisdom uh definitely beyond your years and age (laughs) (laughs) with how much experience that you've had to deal with with cancer and and what's been going on in your life um you know i you told me something earlier and it made me think about it and in my own life is that you never know you never know when the the car next to you is going to decide to swerve into that lane or or and hit you or you, you just don't know what tomorrow brings so live for today yep and make sure that you live it to the fullest um so i think as you know our listeners are listening to this realize what you have today is what you're given that's it you're not given the promise of tomorrow and because you have what you have today, focus on the things that matter most. Find your why. Yep. And as you find your why, um, I promise you that your your mental state will change and you'll be able to focus on the most important things um, in the day. So, Cade, thanks for coming on. Oh, anytime. Thanks for having me. Man, this was great to be able to hear your story. I mean, I... I heard a lot of it first, uh, second hand, but it's good to hear it firsthand for sure. Yeah, thank um, you. And I hope, I hope our listeners are able to take a lot from, from what we put out today. Um, we'll, I, I'm super excited for the next few episodes. So keep on listening, and uh, let's get to it. So thanks, guys. Thanks, Jace.